It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports comments and editor with Rick Boring. It's always brought to you by Ryan Kiefer from First Community Mortgage. Uh, Rick, it wasn't pretty, at least in the second half. It was a nice first half. They talked about getting off to a fast start all week. And that always sounds fun and nice and cute and, oh, we got to do it. And it's like, how do you do it? And Zach Keller kind of laid out the blueprint of, we're going to take the ball if we win the toss. And he knocked on wood and said, we always win the toss. And they did, and they scored a touchdown, and good for them. I mean, they basically talked it into fruition, for goodness sakes. Well, it was weird. I think it was Paul Daner who tweeted this. It was the first Bengals game that hasn't come down to the final possessions this calendar year. That's I think our first win. That's probably right, including the playoff games. He's right. I mean, so it was weird to see them comfortably win a game that wasn't really in question. And I, 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 there's not a ton to talk about from this one, but I think there were four things that really stood out to me. And the first was the play of Trey Hendrickson and the defense overall, but mainly Trey Hendrickson. He absolutely dominated this game. As he should have, because he's playing against a rummy at, at the position he's playing <laughs> against, but that's what he's supposed to do. I mean, that's what he's supposed to do. Listen, hey, in this league, nobody apologizes for you playing across. you got to go dominate the person if that person's inferior. The other part to it is, I know everybody was, and I thought it was a lame storyline from the first two weeks of, oh, they're not getting pressure on the passer. Well, Cooper Rush didn't hold it very long. Um, Mitch Trubisky held it even less long. It's not like they had chances to get to the quarterback today. They did because Joe Flacco holds the ball. He's kind of a traditional passer. They got the lead, so he's looking to make bigger plays and bigger pushes down the field. And guess what? The pass rush ate. Um you know, Trey had two and a half, I thought three full sacks. They ended up reverting one to a half a sack. But bottom line was he dominated. And he dominated after he even got hurt a little bit, which I hope is not lingering. Hopefully he doesn't go into this week. Yeah, he, he came played, back in after that. Yeah, and, yeah, right. And he played through it, which is good. But I still worry about that a little bit. But, yeah. The, hey, Rick, this defense has given up three touchdowns in three weeks. And, yes, I know it's Mitch Trubisky. And I know it's Cooper Rush. And I know it's old man Joe Flacco. But that's still pretty doggone good in this league. Three touchdowns is all you've given up in three weeks. Give me that every day. A lot of love to the athletic guys early, but I think it was Jay Morrison that tweeted their uh, defense has gone 20 consecutive drives without allowing a touchdown. Um, so I just just absurd play by the Bengals defense so far to start the year. And, and it was kind of like, you know, are these guys legit early when they're losing those first two games? But defense was still playing pretty well. It's been three weeks in a row now. You feel pretty good about it. And then you're going to get some good tests starting with yes. Thursday. I right. mean, this right. Miami game will really tell you how legit they are, I think. But going back to Trey Hendrickson, I thought the strip sack on Flacco to start the third quarter that ended up leading to the chase touchdown. That ended it. That was the end of the game. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. No, great, yeah. So, great, I mean, great just, point. just a huge play by him. And um, the, the turnover, Skinny, we mentioned the, the strip sack there, but four turnovers in this game. You mentioned the lack of pass rush being a talking point early in the season. Lack of turnovers has been just sure. as tough for this team, especially when you look back to what they were able to do last year, being opportunistic with some of those takeaways. Twofold there. Sometimes it's a matter of luck and fortune and, and, and you know, right opportunity. Now they dropped a couple of more interceptions today. Yeah. But can I tell you something? And this might be one of your four, and I hope I don't steal your thunder with this. The interception that Logan Wilson made down the field, does, does anybody really appreciate how great that play was? He's a linebacker. He's not a safety. He's not a corner. He and, and this is part and of he's the damn sure not a ball carrier. Well, but he was. I mean, <laughs> I'm just so let me give a little fumbled. benefit of the doubt here in a second. No, I know. But but 
Okay, so in Tampa 2, the true Tampa 2, when you're running it, it's not just a two-high shell. It's the middle linebacker running deep to the mid-center on occasion to make the play that Logan Wilson made. And to the credit of the broadcast, they showed that perfectly. But the bottom line was he sprints that far back, then has to make a play on the ball and catches it like a wide receiver, which he once was. And then his return up until the point he fumbled was absurdly good. And then when you look back, you're like, well, hang on a second. I, it sucks he fumbled. They're lucky they got it back, all those things, and, and he should have had better ball security. But the dude ran back literally on a sprint 25 to 30 yards, caught the interception, ran the other way 40 yards, and then had to be exhausted by the time they said, let's just punch this thing out on you. I, I'm telling you, Rick, that was such a good play. I, I, I wish people would appreciate it as much as I appreciate it. Oh, it was incredible. And I think, well, first of all, that Tampa 2 part that you mentioned, it's like, that's it. The Bengals have been getting confused by Tampa two defenses early in the season, and Joe has had some issues with that. They completely fooled Joe Flacco in that situation, a veteran with that Tampa two look, because he had no idea Logan Wilson was going back into that play and and, and going back on that ball. Uh, Very athletic play. And it's funny you mentioned people not appreciating that enough, because later on, that the ball that was tipped where uh, Davis Gaither had a chance at it, and it kind of fell through his arms. I I said, if that was Logan Wilson, he catches it. Because Logan Wilson is just a damn good receiver. I don't I don't want him running with the ball too much after I saw him fumble that one, but he is an impressive athlete and and really skilled with the ball from what we've seen. See, I do. I thought I actually thought the return up into the point of the fumble was spectacular. He oh, yeah, sure. Shedding uh, dudes, showing speed. You're like, go, dude. Well, you're other, like, other than that, how was the play, off. Mrs. Lincoln? You know, I mean, I mean, you can't you can't be like he ran great and then fumbled the ball. Fumble enough. is still a fumble. Like you can't fair, do that. fair enough. And he fair was enough. and the it whole was, time was, he was, was running, you're thinking game. he's going to fumble this. There's no player in the sport that is more likely to fumble than linebackers when they're running with the ball. That's a good point. That's they're just there too like but, beefy but, up top. It's not a good combo. Let me tell you, as much as Mike Hilton and or Eli Apple and or whoever you want to take for a cornerback has dropped interceptions this year, that dude made a great catch. Oh, he can catch the ball. There's yes. no doubt. Before we move on away from the defense and, and particularly Trey Hendrickson, I do want to talk about, I don't want to be a victim of the moment here. Maybe I'm just too young, but like, give me another free agent signing the Bengals have had that have turned out better than Trey Hendrickson. Not even close. I mean, because they've not really dipped their toes in the water of free agency with, with, with major guys. It's been right. the Pac-Man you know, Jones to me has like been the best one to yeah, this that point. Was, that was, and, and no offense to Pac-Man because he was great and um, it was a great signing. But that was like, hey, bottom of the, the scrap heap. Yeah, nobody wants him. Let's take a flyer because he's such a good athlete. And they were really good at doing those kind of things. Um, Vontez Perfect, obviously, is an undrafted rookie free agent signing. So that was technically a free agent signing. It was really good. But no, there's, I, I, in my opinion, there's nothing compares to this. Terrell Owens was great in his last year as a Bengal. If you really look back on it, you're like, man, that dude did that at 38 years old. Um but nothing compares to what Trey Hendrickson's done. No, it's been the best by far. Um, and Cheeto, Cheeto's not far behind, by the way. No, and 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 um, and neither's DJ Reader. And I was one that didn't like the G- DJ Reader signing. I was one that thought that's a lot to pay for a for a run stopping defensive tackle. We're going to probably find out, unfortunately, how much they miss him in the next week or two. Hopefully, not more than a week. I can't imagine he comes back and plays this week. And you know, there was no really great update on his situation. But yeah. I saw a few uh, people saying they were he he said something about being encouraged that yeah. it's not more severe, but like I don't think they have an idea really right now. Right. But it doesn't mean he's gonna play this Thursday on a short week, Rick. Yeah, I would doubt he does. It's right. it's hard to imagine he will. Right. I mean, he's a big guy. If he's got any type of knee 
instability going on or even just soreness. No, I'm not sure right. you want that to turn into a lingering thing. Agreed. Well, and that was that was one of the big things I want to talk about because he has been maybe the best player on that defense through the first few games. He wrecked him. He yeah. wrecked him today. Yeah, and to see him go down, I mean, I think it would really change things, at least in terms of how this defense has fared against the run. Yeah, and and so it's going to have to be, and they love to play the five-man front on occasion against running teams. Now, Miami's not a running team, so maybe this works out well, although two only threw it 15 times, or 18 times today, rather. Now, some of that was they didn't have the ball very much. Some of that was he got concussed. So we're going to find out what Tua's situation is, too, moving forward. Um, but that is a pass probably first offense. So um, maybe you don't lose DJ Reader as much in this game. But you know what? You're still losing a great player, and he's a great player. All right. We've got a few things here to talk about with the offense, and I think there's the good and the bad. You already brought up some of the good here, which is that they started out more aggressive. That was clearly by design. It started with taking the ball instead of deferring, which was something Joe Burrow had mentioned this week, and Zach Taylor followed through on it. And then Skinny, I'll tell you what, I don't need trick plays all the time, like the uh, flea flicker throwback play they ran with Mixon and Burrow that was incomplete to chase downfield. But I do think taking some more shots early in the game like they did in this one is a good idea. They came into the game the first two weeks. The longest pass play was 24 yards. This week, they had a 56-yard touchdown pass to Boyd and a 45-yard pass to Higgins within the first half. And they also had the play that drew the unnecessary roughness penalty when they looked to take a shot downfield. Yeah, and, and the, the pass to Higgins was not a touchdown. That's the one you're talking about where he got the unnecessary roughness. It was 47 yards, but you're right. But, I mean, they took they took shots. Took a couple shots to Jamar Chase, too, that was actually defended pretty well. One of them I saw, Gardner, where he arguably um, held uh, Jamar Chase. But, yeah, and, and listen, I, I, I know everybody, when they talk about be creative, they want gadgety plays and those things. And as a coach, you roll your eyes and you're like, that stuff usually doesn't win you games. But I think the coaching staff heard some of that noise, and they heard the noise of take the football first. I'll give Kelsey Conway from the Enquirer credit. She asked the question of Zach, would you think about, you know, taking the football rather than deferring? And he said, you know, it's all on the table. And he says, you know, um, we when we win the toss, and he knocked on wood because they do, it seems like they always win the toss, right? So he said, when we win the toss again, he knocked on wood and kind of smiled, we may think about that. And I think he was already thinking about that when the question was asked. But it was a good question. And so I think that, to their credit, the creativity of at least thinking in that regard. And then the throwback pass to Burrow. I don't need gadget plays to make me think you're creative on offense. I just need you to go score points. I'm not one of those guys that goes, oh, my gosh, look at the end of rounds and the flea flickers and the funny business. Funny business doesn't win football games. It doesn't. But I thought they, they they decided to get a little outside the box with that, and that was kind of fun, and it almost worked. It didn't, but you're right. Then they took shots. The, the one to Boyd was not a shot, but it was a it was a blitz beater. They came with an all-out blitz. He stood in there, throws the crosser to Tyler. Tyler ping-pongs off a guy, and he's gone, and that's what good players do. And so, yeah, I, I, I love the offense in the first half. The second half, we can talk about meh, but the first half was fun. Well, and really, it was specifically the first quarter because I thought in the second quarter right, they the really kind of right, got right, right. vanilla again and went back to the very predictable stuff, and they didn't go anywhere. Fortunately, they had that turnover. And I mean, I think the roughing the passer penalty on third down that led to the Burrow touchdown pass to Boyd that put Cincinnati up fourteen to six. That was the sequence of the game. That's what won it. We talked right. about the strip sack in the third quarter that ended it. That was the sequence, the the penalty, and then the touchdown right after it that won the game 
And, you know, like I kind of go back to the old Woody Hayes quote where he always used to say, well, only three things can happen when you pass and two of them are yep, bad. That's correct. With the way the game is called. Hang on, now, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop for a second. How about you knowing some Woody Hayes quotes, my man? Well, it's just one of those things that's always kind of bothered me because like you hear it and it's like, uh, I don't in my era, at least now back then, it was probably a lot more true. But in this era where the way they call the game. You have I just don't know. Hang on. I just appreciate you brought up a Woody Hayes quote. I I do. I that was great. That's what I'm here for. I'm trying to stay on some left some references that you'll understand. You know, I'm here for you. Yeah, Yeah. good, good stuff. But I think now, I mean, there are three good things that can happen when you put the ball in the air and then you have two yes. bad and one of them is very low risk really? and incomplete pass. So it's like it, you, right. We, we talk about all the time, how many NFL games are decided by penalty flags. If you don't take shots down yep. the field, whether that means you're running constantly, which I have nothing against running. We'll talk about that in a second, or you're works. just, yeah. Or you're just being very vanilla and dinking and dunking in the passing game and quote unquote, taking what the defense gives you. You don't give yourself the opportunity to not only get a pass interference call, which seems to be a 50-50 call almost any time you take a deep shot in the NFL nowadays, but you've also got this whole situation with the quarterbacks, which certainly wasn't a a thing back in Woody Hayes' days, but now you you can't hit the quarterbacks half the time in any way that's not going to get flagged, and the Bengals were a huge beneficiary of that today because of the roughing the passer call on third down after an incomplete pass that kept that drive going, and they had some penalties later in the game too. The even the T Higgins one, where he caught the the long pass and then got hit in the face for another rough or not roughing, but a unnecessary roughness. unnecessary roughness. Yeah. Thank you. If you don't take the shots, you don't give yourself the chances for those things to happen. I think in right. today's NFL, you've got to put some pressure on the officials to make those calls. Yeah, I, I think it's it's honestly for anywhere from three to ten plays a game like that, you you have to take a shot play. I'm, I'm with you because you know you're you're gonna get a chance to make those big plays catch-wise. And you're right, you're going to get a chance to get a couple of penalties, and then you're going to get a little defensive lineman, not little, but defensive lineman who's mad that he's getting his ass kicked all day that says, oh, I'm free, and oh, I got a free runner, and he let it go, and he takes two more steps and goes bang, and then here comes the flag for that. No, you're right. I, I, I think that's absolutely dead on. And every week could be, uh, is Zach Taylor a good play caller? Should he be calling the plays and all that? And I don't want to make it that. I do think today was much better. But I also think mm-hmm. when at least early, like we talked about, they started aggressive at least and didn't get themselves into a position where they had to chase all game like they've been known to do the last two years. But in a comparison with a guy who everyone's in love with right now, Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins, I, I saw a, a breakdown this week that they were doing on one of the TV programs and they had two on there. We're getting some quotes from him and they were talking about what he's really good at is identifying what his talents do best. And coming up with ways to put them in those positions right. as often as possible. And that seems like a very basic thing that every coach is going to do. But I also saw Tua say that he just trusts us to go make plays for him. And he gives us those opportunities. As simple as that all sounds, I think that's something that other coaches sometimes are a little bit too stubborn. They think it all has to be this scientific X and O game that they got to win in their head. And it's like, we got to be stubborn. We've got to establish this. We've got to do what we do and prove to them something. And it's like, well, why don't you just take your best players and give them as many chances as you can? And I don't think the Bengals do enough of that sometimes. In the first quarter of this one, they did, and it, and it worked out for them. Yeah, and that's where you have to trust that Joe Burrow knows best. Give him a play. Give him two plays. Give him whatever choices he's got. Know that he's smart. Know that he knows where it's going to go. Know that he knows how to execute that and let him make the decision. And I and I, I don't want to be an ass about that because coaches do matter. But at the same time, I think you're right. Um 
let Joe Burrow make that decision when he can look and go, all right, I see this matchup. I see. And if he's wrong, that's fine. And he's going to be wrong on occasion. But chances are pretty good because they love him and trust him. He's going to be right more times than not when he sees the matchup he likes. And a lot of that literally is dictated by you going to the line of scrimmage, them showing you a coverage, and you going, okay. And that can't be the coach in the headset because the headset turns off at one point going, Joe, go to, and then the headset goes blank. You can't all of a sudden go, boy, I hope he knows what he's doing. Trust me, dude knows what he's doing. Let dude do his thing. Well, and today is a perfect example of just letting those guys make a play for you because you have the, the penalties that we talked about that you're just kind of gifted in those situations. You have the uh, Tyler Boyd catch where he goes in between those guys, spins off a tackle and breaks free for a long touchdown. Again, just giving a chance to do something in space. And, and he, T making plays like a crazy man. Well, I was just going to say the best catch of the game was a total 50-50 right. ball or maybe not even 50-50, more like 30-70 and T just stole it by going way up over the top of him. How many times over the last two years have we seen T Higgins and Jamar Chase do exactly that where they just win a 50-50 ball. I, it's like, I, again, we could say it almost every week. I don't want to just constantly talk about that. No, but, you're right. But uh, okay. Today was a perfect example of how when you give those guys chances, they will win the game for you. No, that's exactly right. I mean, that, and that's why you drafted those guys is occasionally you have to throw one up and go, you're going to win. Um, I don't like the chances, but you're going to win. And those guys will win more times than not. Yeah. And I just, uh, and this is a good segue into talking about the running game, which is still a disaster. I think one of the biggest issues with the Bengals and their play calling at times is just they're very predictable. I mean, what other explanation could there be for every single time they hand off to Joe Mixon? There's someone meeting him three yards in the backfield. Well, the one thing I would say is there's some of that. There's um, some of guys are not winning at the point of attack either. And that's for sure. They can talk about, you know, uh, I, myself and a couple other reporters this week wrote a story of it looked like the Dallas second half was kind of a turning point in the running game. And they're going to need a couple of weeks to figure out, you know, what runs work best for this line. And I believe that fully. I mean, again, we're, we're, I think we all took for granted the whole, oh, these guys are going to come in and this guy's better than that guy. And that guy's better than this guy. And that guy's better than that guy. But it doesn't work that way. So there has to be a kind of a, a what do these guys do best, especially in the wide zone scheme? What, what can we figure out what does best? And it's, it's a filling out process. And I've gotten a bunch of tweets from people like, this is what preseason's for. Honestly, shut the hell up with that because 13 <laughs> preseason plays were not going to fix this. They just were not. I'm sorry you think they would have. They were going to play 13 to 18 plays in a preseason, and this was not going to fix this. So just tamp that down for a minute. But um, – now we're three weeks in to the point of, I don't know what they do well in the run game. Now, I know the whole mantra after today was, well, look at what Samaj P. Ryan did at the end of the game. Fair enough. Do I think Samaj P. Ryan's better than Joe Mixon? I don't. I do think some of the run game is on Joe. I certainly think some of it's on the offensive line. I think some of it is they have not figured out what runs they do do best. So there's a big, big mix to this, but you got to figure it out sooner rather than later. And that was the mantra this week of, you know, Brian Callahan, literally his quote, got to figure out sooner rather than later. Frank Pollock, got to figure out sooner rather than later. Ted Karras, got to figure it out sooner rather than later. Jonah Williams, got to figure it out sooner rather than later. Okay, that's fine. Now we're three weeks in. You won today, and that's great. But it's getting to be later rather than sooner at some point here. Well, this was the most embarrassing performance for the offensive line, I would say. They didn't I have all the sacks, too. but not being able to run the ball at all. I mean, until the end, we'll talk about Samaj P. Ryan a little bit more, but Joe Mixon 
getting off for two yards a carry, the team only averaging two and a half yards per carry for the game. That's embarrassing, especially against that defense. The other mantra that was, well, you know, we haven't been able to run it when we're ahead. Well, you ran it when you were ahead today until Samaj AP ran in the fourth quarter. You didn't run with the damn, so don't give me the, it'd be great to run it when you're ahead. You didn't run it then. So now we're about another week, and I'm going to give it this week, because now we're a quarter through after Thursday of how do we fix this? And I'm not sure you do, because do you want to replace Ted Karras? No. Do you want to replace Alex Kappa? No. Do you want to replace Cordell Volson? No. Do you want to replace Jonah Williams? No. And that's why I left Lyle Collins to the next part of this. Do I want to replace Lyle Collins? Maybe. But, I mean, at this stage of the game, your group is your group, man. Well, yeah. And I, I know that the other name that you might be able to replace is one F Pollock. I don't know if that helps you in the middle of the season with an offensive line coach. Yeah, you know, there's no way. You, you, you don't do this now. No. Well, and you, you're talking about not winning at the point of the attack. And I think that's definitely a big part of it. But don't you think part of being able to win at the point of the attack is having the defensive line a little uncertain of what's coming, but, like but having the defense the deal, be able to Rick, fire Rick, off Rick. the ball on you like that constantly. It just seems like everyone knows exactly what's coming. Okay. Here comes the zone run. Like we're, they, they know what's coming. It feels like. You, yeah, that, I, I get you. I'm, I'm not sure it's that simplistic because at the point you're leading 20 to six, do they know what's coming? Because they just torched your ass for 220 yards and about a quarter and a half flowing the football. Do you really know what's coming? Do you? Well, and that, but I mean, that's the thing. Sometimes they're coming down with just, you know, five bodies in the box and they're still stuffing you. You're not that able to run back, over five people goes, in the box. And that goes back to, I'm just wondering, are these dudes good enough? No, that's a very fair point. We, you talked about late in the game there where Samaje P. Ryan was able to put the game away. Basically he had nine carries for 47 yards during that drive that ate Great. up about eight minutes of the fourth quarter. Was he doing something differently than Joe Mixon? Was it just a weird situation where the Bengals were in control and the Jets were a little deflated and they're going like basically goal line packages and running it right at him that was able to give him a little more of a boost? Or do you think there's something to Mixon's ankle injury possibly holding him back a little bit? Or how would you assess the what happened there in the fourth quarter where they were suddenly able to run the ball effectively with Samaj P. Ryan? Yeah, so I, I hate to be the cynic in the room, as you know. I'm not cynical, Rick, at all. As you, no, I'm, never, I'm, you never would be. I'm Mr. Glass half full. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I completely buy the Joe Mixon ankle thing. I but, thought that too. I'm with you. But 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 I will. So I'm going to take him with there because I'm not buying the Lyle Collins back thingamajigger that's kept him out other than him going to collect a $100,000 paycheck on Sundays, which good for him. If you can pull that off, Chief, good for you, man. You're, you're, you're pulling it off, and you're the big winner, my friend. Um, but, you know, it'd be nice if you could practice with your teammates. That would be fun, too. But anyway, so to the Joe Mixon thing, I, I'm not sure I completely buy it, but okay, let me just say I do. Um, at the same time, and if you look at – I'm not a big analytics stats guy. I'm not a PFF. ESPN next gen guy, but my friend Ben baby pointed out to me on the ESPN next gen stats that he was looking at. He was, we were interviewing Brian Callahan on Monday. And at one point he looked, I was behind him and he was looking at his computer. He was a little disinterested and he looked at me like, are you looking at what I'm looking at? And I'm like, dude, I can't, I, I don't have my reading glasses on. I'm too old to see what you're seeing. So we got done. And he said, did you see the mixing numbers on his expected yards on running plays? I'm like, no, he goes, he's like next to last in, in the league among NFL running backs on expected yards. I go, well, A, it doesn't surprise me. I do appreciate the fact you told me that. It supports what we're kind of seeing. So some of this might be on Joe. And I think Samaje just kind of hit holes and just said, here I come. I'm 240 pounds. 
I'm going to bulldoze my way for three to four yards. And if I get over one of you dudes, I'm going to get five or six or seven. And he did that. And listen, I'm not going to tell you Samaj P. Ryan is about to supplant Joe Mixon because Joe Mixon, in my opinion, is one of the top five to ten running backs in the NFL. But for whatever reason right now, it ain't working. Yeah, Samaj P. Ryan came in and got his Rudy Johnson on. No, he did. It, it was no, just no, like, great, I am that's, going. That's a great analogy. That's a great to the analogy, hole. Dude hitting you hard and falling forward for three and a half to four yards on every play, basically. And yes. obviously it, it worked yes. a little more successfully. I think there is something to that for sure. And if nothing else, it was just a different style. So in this game, it maybe caught them off guard a little oh, bit. Right. Have you? I'm not like, oh, look, they figured something out. Joe Mixon was running too soft. And now the Bengals are going to be fine if they, you know, give it more play some AJ Pirine more. Or maybe the offensive line started to figure out. I don't think that's the case. I think it was a combination of a few things going on. And Samaj Pirine did a great job in the role that they asked him to play at the end of the game there. I don't think that really translates to next week to mean anything. I think you're right back in the same spot where Joe Mixon is your guy and he should be. Correct. And you really have to find a way to still get this running game on track because I don't think what you were doing there has any impact with the way you start the game or would normally call your offense. No, I will say you could tell the the, the frustration for Joe was palpable. It really and truly was. You could see it on many occasions um, where he was frustrated with himself, the line, whatever the combination was. But I will tell you, this dude has run for the last three years, and you got to take out the COVID year where he got hurt and played six games. Dude, in his three full years, the last three full years, has run for a thousand yards and with multitudes of combinations and multitudes of bad combinations. I think he'll figure it out. I do. I'm not worried about Joe Mixon's ability. I am worried about him running behind this offensive line because, fair enough. While I think there's maybe some blame to put on him, I think most of it still has to do with this offensive Dude, line. Dude, no, so. I, I do. I, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, Skinny, what else? Did you have anything else that stood out to you? That was kind of the uh, big topics I had. I felt like this game was, I mean, it was weird because we've been in all these crazy games. Seems like for, like we said, a full calendar year at this point with this team that this one after, you know, after they kind of got that lead, it felt like a lot of things were just in, in cruise control. They kind of took the foot off the gas for a little bit there. They got the big strip sack play and and the extra score to, to kind of put the game on ice. And then it was it. Yeah. I would tell fans this. And I said it last week, listen, um, if you believe in Joe Burrow and 99.9% of you do, then you believe in this team. Um, it's a good team. They got good talent. He's a good quarterback. And they still haven't played great. And they're still gelling. And I know that sucks to hear. And I know it's probably cliche-ish. But like I said, you know, we all thought this offensive line upgrade was these guys are all better than the last guys. And they are but it doesn't happen overnight. I wish it did, and preseason wasn't going to fix this, and probably three games in isn't going to fix this. If this team is still struggling doing the things we're talking about by week seven or week eight, then, by God, we have a problem. But the thing I'll go back to is, I think Joe Burrow is right. Just relax. He's a good quarterback. They got good dudes. They got good players. Now, injuries are starting to happen a little bit. I mean, you know, Jermaine Pratt misses today, although Akeem Davis Gaither I thought was pretty good. Mark Spaley was pretty good. DJ Reader and G will suck, but this is a really good team on paper when they're healthy. And so I think today was almost for everybody, fans, coaches, players. And I guarantee you, they were in the same bubble with this of, hope we don't start 0-3, but to their credit, as a coach and a player, you compartmentalize that week of just preparing for the week, preparing for this game. I'm not putting extra pressure. Everybody talks about must wins and I do too. We all do as I'm a media guy. We talk about must wins and the pressure of the moment. And are your guys okay with this? 
you know what they are because you know why that's all they have that week is that week and i think you saw today wasn't perfect wasn't great it was good enough to go win on the road against an improving team in the jets and i think at this stage you go okay this is still a really good football team if it stays healthy hopefully it does they're still going to be a playoff team in that regard that's what you saw and that's one thing that going back to the the first two losses as much as it sucks to lose those games that you feel like you should win, the one thing we said in both of those games is it felt like the Bengals were the better team. It felt like they should have yes. won. So, I mean, it is a little easier to stay confident about a team where you're like, look, if we're being honest, it feels like they should be 3-0. and They're plenty right. good enough to be 3-0 right now. That's right. And, and as much as it, you know, you, you got to win those 50-50 games because that's a lot of what the NFL is, it also tells you that, you know, especially with a 17-game schedule now instead of 16, they're not out of it because they started 0-2, and, and and we figured they wouldn't be. And I'm sure there were a lot of fans that thought, oh, 15-2. No, that doesn't happen. I'm sorry it doesn't happen. It just, it's, I mean, there's occasionally a team that can do that kind of stuff. It doesn't happen. You get me 10-7 and 7 again, which was my prediction, and I think it's still very much in player, and it might even be 9-8 and 8 to make the playoffs. That's fine. I mean, this league is hard, man. It's hard in wacky ways. And um, it's hard because especially in free agency, and that's the other part. I think we take that for granted, too, of, oh, these guys are just automatically better wherever they play. Yeah, they are. You're right. But that doesn't make mean that Fred knows what Jim's doing and Ted doesn't know what Freddie's doing and Jackie doesn't know what Jimmy's doing. It doesn't. It just doesn't work that way that these guys are automatically better. It takes time. And so I, I think this team, it might lose to Miami on Thursday. I don't think it does. I think they win. And we'll talk about that when we drop our next podcast on Wednesday. I don't think it does, but they could. But I still think this is a better team today because it's gotten more continuity and reps together than it was the last two weeks. And it will be better moving forward. Yeah. In terms of fan confidence, that Thursday game is huge. They win that one. Everyone will feel a whole lot better. And the uh, team win total thing you brought up, you know, they go 10 and seven still or whatever. I think that'll be a big topic of conversation for our Wednesday all sports podcast. All right. Sounds like a plan. Rick, I appreciate it as always. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, but we'll be back on Wednesday with our normal Popery podcast, talking about uh, everything from Bengals to college football to much, much more. We have a gambling segment. And be sure to ha- hit Rick on, on Twitter. Hit the ash- hashtag AskSkinnyAnything where you can ask me a question on any topic. Yeah, I'm get those man. in a day early this week. Yes, that's correct. And I, I'll answer it. I, I, give me, I, you can ask for advice, food, beer, drinks, whatever, gambling. I'm college terrible football at all, but, coaching questions. We got a yes, lot of those. Great. Dude, dude as, you, as everybody knows, I'm a great basketball coach in, in my mind. So, yeah, <laughs> there's that. So, yeah, but be, be sure to hit us on that. Uh, so, thanks to Rick. Uh, thanks to you guys for listening, as always. I'm Richard Skinner for Rick Boring. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Postgame Edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer from First Community Morning.